0: All right, folks, thank you for coming to the Dog Tag Podcast from the St. Charles County Veterans Museum with your hosts, Jason Galvin, Renee Esri, and Jim Higgins. And we're going to tell you a little bit about ourselves today and about the museum. As we celebrate the third anniversary of the museum, we'd like to give you some insight on how the museum was started and what we have going on at the museum. Again, my name is Jason, and I am a Gold Star family member. My father served valiantly in Desert Storm and was killed in action on January 31st of 1991, along with 13 other of his brothers. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and pass this off to Renee Esri. Renee, will you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Thank you, Jason. Uh, And thank you for everything that you're doing with the podcast here and getting us started on this wonderful journey. Uh, This museum was a dream of Ralph Barale, Sr., he was a, a veteran a veteran of World War II, um, and Jim can tell you a lot about the history part of his service. Um, he, later in life, became very well known in this area, um, and people would reach out to him uh, for any kind of veteran type of issue. So he was responsible for... Veterans Memorial Parkway being named what it is from one side of St. Charles County to the other. Uh, The Veterans Memorial Tribute Bridge, he was responsible for that. Uh, Leading force with the Lake St. Louis Veterans Memorial Park. And as he got older, people would reach out to him with things and artifacts that they either found or that they had sitting in their basement that they were going to get rid of. And so this dream started to become of his to have a museum in St. Charles County that would tell the story of the local veterans. He um, he started looking um, and and talking to different people about this dream that he had uh, and knew that he had to find a building. I was on the veterans, the O'Fallon Veterans Commission with him when he approached me one day and said, Renee, one of these days I'm going to have a museum, and I need a business partner. Would you be my business partner? And I told him, sure, I would love to do that. Um, don't know how to tell a 91-year-old man no, so that was pretty easy. Um, so then at that point, we started kind of brainstorming different municipalities uh, and some maybe some buildings that they we knew that they might have that weren't being occupied or used And that was really a pretty difficult task to do. Um, At a luncheon one day, uh, with the volunteer luncheon in O'Fallon, Ralph had reached out to Mayor Bill Hennessy and said, you know, I'm going to have a museum one day, and I'm looking for a building. And uh, the mayor had, I guess, kept that in the back of his mind. And at another event, he pulled Ralph aside and said, Ralph, I think I've got a building for you. And it was this building that we're sitting in today at 410 East Elm Street. So Ralph was just thrilled uh, because we did look at a, uh, we tried to reach out to Winsville see if they had anything because we thought that they had uh, an old building at the corner of um, Pierce uh, Boulevard, the old Commerce Bank. We thought they owned that, but they didn't. It was already, um, you know, private sale. So, This really became our option, and when the mayor brought us here, uh, we just fell in love with the building. At the time, it was a civic annex. This building has had multiple lives. Um, It housed nuns for a while. Uh, It was a place where people would come and pay their water bill. And then when we got it, it was actually the civic annex, and the primary function of what was going on here was the young girls' uh, had their dance classes here so we knew we had a lot of work to do but it was just a beautiful building uh, and at the time it seemed so big <laughs> to us we were worried we would never be able to fill it up with uh, stories um, but we would meet we uh, we met um, every few weeks we would meet and talk about things and Uh, Ralph would always keep us focused on, you know, our mission is going to be to tell the story of the veterans. And uh, we would meet in the kitchen. We met at City Hall. Uh, We met at some restaurants, you know, wherever we could get together to talk about this dream that he had and how we could make it become a reality. So it was kind of a lot of fun in those early days there wasn't much really going on, um, just trying to figure out how could we include all the different municipalities in St. Charles County and get them to actively participate with us in this dream. So we were doing a lot of letter writing at that time and trying to find other people, uh, you know, to bring on uh, that could help us, you know, with this journey. So uh, it was a lot of fun and I really... I'm really glad, you know, even when we started, when we finally did get inside here, the museum, and and I don't want to say we were a little lost. Ralph had passed away, um, and we were having some pressure, and um, it was great when we were trying to figure out how we were going to put these displays together that, you know, Jim had reminded us, we need to go back and make sure we focus on what Ralph's dream was, which was to tell the story of the veterans. And that should always be at the heart of everything that we do. And it should be our guiding principle. And so we've really kept that mantra as our own. And that's exactly what we do here every day.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that Renee and, uh, giving us some feedback around how everything started around here and, and, um, what the dream was, uh, Jim, would you mind telling us a little bit about uh, from your standpoint?
2: Well, the, uh, thanks, Jason, and that was great, Renee. The, uh, the thing that kind of stands out to me, and I look back at it this day, Ralph was a private, and he landed on Utah Beach at Normandy, served at the Battle of the Bulge and, uh, with Patton, and was among the first troops to enter Dachau, the oldest concentration camp in, in Germany. You know, and, and it was it was really a delight to be able to talk to Ralph many years later and, and get a perspective of a World War II veteran for a number of reasons. First, I'm a history buff, and I I really, really enjoyed the firsthand accounts that he gave us. Uh, he often said, we knew why we were fighting the Japanese, because they bombed us at Pearl Harbor. We weren't sure why we were fighting the Germany until we went into the concentration camps. And we knew that never could happen again, and we had to... Uh, we had to stop this. So Ralph's perspective on the history part of it and his personal experience positioned him well to to really lead the museum here. It was uh, nobody, Renee said it one time there, nobody ever said no to Ralph. And and uh, I actually reached out to him after I saw an article in the paper with him. And I think he was at the time, he was 92, 93, and it was in the Post-Dispatch and I had met Ralph when I was 20 years old. He was one of my best friend's father, and I reached out to him and just took him to lunch and said, you know, what you're trying to do there, I'm a history buff, and if you want some help, I'd be glad to help you, and it became, uh, and that's when it started, and I was invited to join the board shortly after that, and and we're sitting here today now, three years into the, uh, into the museum and busting at the seams.
0: That's great info Jim uh, would either of you like to give us some feedback of how the uh, displays or the um, the exhibits are maintained or decided on how they're going to be shown and and uh, just kind of the the layout of of how things go at the museum maybe the the different um, galleries if you could one of you guys could kind of share with us how that goes
1: so one of the The neatest things um, that, you know, in those moments of uh, when you question yourself and say, why do I continue to do this? (laughs) Um, What keeps us coming back is when we get to sit down and meet with a veteran or the veteran's family and they come into the museum and they see what we've done and they want, to be a part of that. They want their story or their veteran's story to be honored and to be told. And as Ralph would say, no one is ever gone as long as someone still has memories of them. And as much as we can say the person's name and tell their story, they're still alive to us. They're still there. And so that has been... um kind of that drug for us that when we meet with someone and we get their story and uh, you know jim can talk a little bit about how they research it and all that they do but it's it's so honoring that they've taken the time to come here and share that with us and pass that on so that we can continue to tell those stories and i feel like i know like Al Seuling, I feel like I know him because I've told his story so many times and I've met with his daughter and some of these other veterans that we have here in the museum, I feel like they're now part of my life uh, because I know, you know, some a little semblance of, of what they went through and what they did for our country and for me. Uh, so that is a great honor and just kind of keeps us coming back um But Jim can kind of tell you the process of kind of how we go about and how we put these things together.
2: Well, the one thing that's kind of exciting here is people say we're all volunteers and we're not paid. Well, that's not really correct. We are paid when a 96-, 98-year-old, 102-year-old man does come in and talk to you about his story. That's, That's worth gold. In, in my opinion, you know, I mean, that's that's our reward for doing what we do. And and Renee's right. Some days, you know, we're we're trying to, you know, ask ourselves, you know, why are we knocking ourselves out? Because it is a hard job and what we're doing. You know, we opened the museum. We had six hundred dollars in the bank, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we had, you know, before we opened the museum, we had virtually no overhead, and we're starting to hit the big time now. But but as far as uh, the stories that come in. We're not very well known, and, and that's one thing that hopefully the podcast will do for us. But what we find is after COVID is starting to slow down a little bit, people are starting to come back and, and they uh, start sharing stories with us. And, and then the next steps, logical steps, is we tell them we'd like to meet them. And we set up a time where they can come in and bring pictures, sometimes artifacts, sometimes pictures and artifacts, and share their story we often find that we're actually building a story in some cases. There's on many occasions we've been able to kind of build a story based on unit information and what we can find on the Internet, ancestry and newspaper sites. And we've actually built a story oftentimes and we've told the family stuff that they didn't even know about their ancestor, which is kind of exciting. So we do an interview process. It's the best way to do it, have an interview with the um, with the veteran, or have an a, a interview with the veteran's descendants, and we work through the story. You know, we uh, actually photograph and record everything. It's placed in our storage unit, and then we start the process of writing the story and researching it. And sometimes a month, two months, maybe even three months, depending on how busy we are. You know, the uh, story becomes an exhibit in the museum. We have several kind of stories in the museum. One is, uh, you know, they all go onto our website. We do have, if we have artifacts to augment the story, we'll actually build the story and uh, and actually place the artifact, a uniform or some other memorabilia with it, and we'll actually put it on display. So there's a number of different kinds of stories we have in here, and uh, we preserve them for the family in here.
0: That's great. I mean, I love that. I love the fact that you can keep the story alive just by getting to know a family getting to know the history of their loved one and their veteran, and being able to share that with our county. That's, that's something that a lot of counties can't say. A lot of places can't say. Jim or Renee, either one of you guys, would you mind walking us through kind of uh, when, a, when, when a visitor comes to the museum, uh, can, you, can you walk us through uh, verbally, verbally, how the how the vet, how the family members or the veteran might come upon the grounds and what they might see, and then uh, walk us through kind of the galleries as they walk through the door and, and what they might see, just so the listener can kind of get an idea of what uh, people see when they when they encounter when they come in.
1: Yeah, one of the one of my kind of have two favorite stories with that. Um, one of them Jim experienced with the uh, uh, female veteran and. As she was coming down the road, she said she could, when she saw the museum, she felt a peace come over. She knew she was in a place that was going to be okay, just as she's driving down the road to see us. That's one of the things that I, I love about this place. I think it does kind of have a, a aura or a feeling of safety for veterans. Uh, another one of my favorite stories, we had a, a veteran from um, – desert storm. Uh it took him 5 attempts to make it through the door and actually stick around. You know, the first time was on our opening uh standing in the uh foyer and he walked in and uh he just turned around and walked out and was visibly shaken. I went after him and I was like, "Are you okay? Would you like to come in?" And he said, "I thought I could do it, but I can't, but I'll try again." And it took 5 attempts for him to come in and get a tour, and sit and talk with us. And that was really powerful. Um, We've had some family members that have come in. um, Well, we have family members that come in pretty much every week. um, And they'll bring their other family members that come in to visit from out of town. You know, it may be that maybe the daughter of the veteran uh, lives here and gave us the information, and we were able to develop a story of her of her father maybe and then when her brother comes into town she brings all of them in and you know we have that occur all the time and it's just wonderful and again it it it's pervert preserving that story and you know giving us the opportunity to honor that veteran um it's just and for me personally you know um when I got out of the service um there was kind of a piece of me, I don't want to say that died, but it kind of did. You know, I went through a grieving process. That camaraderie and the friendship that you have when you're in the military, there's no place I've ever found that. And believe me, I've looked. Um, When I started doing this, it was one of the wonderful things that helped me. I felt like I was back with my people again. And that's kind of how I always put it. Um, I love coming here. I love being here. I love being surrounded by veterans and patriots and people that are dedicated to, you know, preserving these stories and, and all of that. It, it's just a big comfort to me as well.
0: Absolutely. Jim, do you have any insight on kind of similar to what Renee said? And, and maybe also if you could walk us through the gallery and just kind of what the the guest might see, the veteran might see as they come through. and. And kind of walk us through
2: that. Renee made a few good points there, Jason. That that I just want to expand on real quickly because one of the things that I don't think any of us were quite expecting when we opened the museum was the power. Some of the the power that the what these people would feel like when they came in. 50, Vietnam is fifty years ago, and to have people from the modern warriors to going back to the Vietnam or you know, the, to have them walk in and and get sentimental and, and struggle. They did come in and look at the exhibits was, uh, I think we weren't expecting that. And uh, and we like to think that, um, you know, it's helped them in a way. Some of them had to come back a second time, and some of them are regular visitors to the museum. And, uh, you know, our, our, I look at our early mission statement, I say it needs to evolve a little bit because of what this place has become for veterans. And what the potential is of the museum for for veterans, the modern veterans. But as you walk in right now, one of the unique things about the St. Charles St. Charles County is I like to tell our guests from out of state that we're like the Wild West was right here before the Gold Rush and and the the expansion West. We had Indian fights in eighteen twelve, the War of eighteen twelve. We've got about thirty five to forty. Uh, Revolutionary War veterans buried within just a few miles of the museum. We we know that they're there. Uh, you know, we we don't have any exhibits on the early settlers in the area. We know Daniel Boone lived not too far from here. So the, the county is really rich in history. When you walk into gallery two, the first thing you'll see is a little bit on World War Two. And then as you turn the corner you're into Korea. Korea has become Call it, it's called the Forgotten War and uh, that's really a slap in the face to the veterans of the Korean War. We have two Korean War era veterans that volunteer who here, here at the museum, and I think both of them would tell you that you know they absolutely love it and, and it's you know like a dream come true being able to come in here and tell their stories. You know we do have an extensive collection of Vietnam era uh, stories and artifacts. It wasn't that way when we opened. It took the Vietnam veterans a little time to warm up to us. And one of the things you move on from Vietnam, you see is the modern warriors, desert storm and the Gulf and Afghanistan uh, battles. And we don't have a great collection of that and stories, but it's, it's coming along nice. You know, we uh, they're a little slow to bring those stories in. We are wholly dependent on veterans to bring their stories to us. And, and we don't push them we don't coax them we, we coax them I guess but we don't we don't drag them and pull them in here but you know it's it's very fresh in our minds so it, we think it'll come in in time we have uh we have a lot of things that we're trying to do to make interactive things for kids in the uh, in gallery two we got a flak jacket Vietnam flak jacket and helmet and, and pilots helmet where the kids can try it on we even got a uh, m16 replica rifle over there they can put the gear on and kind of feel like they're a uh, you know part of uh, the military there they, they enjoy that as you go through into the well one thing I do want to mention that we've got over there we got a wall of honor which features 116 names of those killed in action since the first world war these are uh, happen to be all men from the county that were killed in action and there's some incredible stories there and one of our recent acquisitions that I'm going to let Renee talk about a little bit this is panel 18 East, the uh, traveling wall, the healing wall. We were fortunate to get one panel of a wall that was being re- retired. you want to talk about that, Renee?
1: Sure. Um, a friend from the Missouri National Guard, uh, when her and her husband retired, you know, the first few months were fun. Uh, and then things settled down and it's, okay, what do we do now? and they volunteer their time with uh, the traveling wall. And um, they reached out to me that um, they're going to be decommissioning a few panels to make some repairs, Uh, some names have been changed, added, taken off. Um, And so whenever the panels in D.C. are decommissioned, they have to decommission their panels as well. It doesn't happen very often, and he said there's less than 10 of them around the country and um he wanted to know if we would be interested in one of the panels and uh of course I said yes we would love to uh, but I didn't tell anybody because it's one of those things you just want to make sure it's really going to happen before you get everybody's hopes up Um and so then I got a call one night and he said hey can you come out and pick up this panel and so my husband and I went out there and of course driving home you're Driving here to the museum, we were both a nervous wreck thinking we would get into a car accident or something, and the panel would be destroyed. Um, but God was on our side, so we made it here safely. Um, but this has just been a great addition because, like Jim said, when we first started out, we didn't have many artifacts from the Vietnam veterans. And it took, I think, you know, they've been burned, and they've been disrespected and dishonored, and... I think it took, they wanted to see that we were going to be doing the right thing, and we had to gain their trust. And once we did, uh, it's been wonderful ever since. We get a lot of Vietnam veterans visit, and so this addition uh, is really powerful for them, and it means a lot. Uh, One of the first calls that I made, or the first call I made when I had this in the back of my truck was to Sheldon Hartsfield, who's the commissioner of the O'Fallon Veterans Commission, and he's a Vietnam veteran. And it was a conversation I will never forget. You know, as I told him, I said, you're not, I, I said, are you sit, sitting? And he said, yeah. And I said, I have something in the back of my truck um, that I think you want to know about. And so I told him the story of how I got it. And I could tell his voice just, started his heart was pumping and his brain was probably moving a little faster than it's moved in a while and he became overwhelmed and he said I'm gonna have to call you back he said this is a good day but I'm gonna have to call you back and then the next call I made was to Jim to let him know that that I had this and uh he was thrilled too so it was a great night I got to uh kind of disturb the evening activities of two, two men and keep them up till 2 o'clock in the morning, researching how many names?
2: 635 names. We, we've titled the actually display 22 days in April 1967. It's 635 names. Again, it's panel 18 East. And you're right. I started in about the same time as Sheldon and researched them, and there's 10 Missourians on the uh, wall. You know, a couple from St. Louis area, East Side. So it's and you can you can do a, a rubbing on it. It's actually looks very much like the real wall in DC. So it was quite an honor to receive that. And uh, you sent a a guy in here on a day we were closed, kind of inadvertently. But you know, if there's somebody who wants to see the museum, we're closed or open. I open it right, and uh, I actually walked him over to that area. And and hindsight. I probably shouldn't have, but he was very emotional as he approached that. And he, uh, he really had a tough time moving around in the museum. And we ended up sitting kind of face-to-face, just trying to chatting for about an hour. But um, so it, it does, Renee's right, you know, it does kind of move people. And, and um, again, that's just one of the things that we never thought about when we were opening up the museum. As you go into the second gallery or the gallery number one, it's you know when we first opened the museum, the intent was that there would be a, a temporary exhibit back there, and we started off with World War II. Well, we haven't changed it in the three years, and I guess I'm starting to wonder if we ever will. You know, the probably the biggest part of our collection, you know, Vietnam is building, but right now we have a really great collection of of World War II memorabilia. I think. Both of, I think we all think that it was in boxes in a basement and it was a good, good place to get rid of it, you know. But we've got some epic stories back there, uh, a lot of stories about aircrew, airmen, pilots shot down. We have probably stories about six men that were actually captured and, and held in prisoner of war camps. Uh, one of them escaped. You know, some of them were marched into the Allied lines late in the war and the Germans surrendered some of them were liberated by Patton. But we've got some epic stories back there, and, and we have actually three or four stories in the museum where books were written about the, their experiences. So there really is some neat things on our website that you probably should check out. But the, uh, the other thing I want to mention is we sit on 1.5 acres of land here, and we've tried to actually, we call it Gallery 3, and we've actually tried to put memorials and and tributes on the outside of the building. And we actually have several new ones coming this year that we're working on. But, you know, so a visit to the museum should include a walk around the grounds, which include flower beds, plantings, signs, stories, and a lot of information. And the outside, especially, you know, we're the beneficiary of a really great community. The community in this area of the county the groups, civic groups, Eagle Scouts, Girl Scouts, Heritage Girls, High School kids, uh Cub Scouts, and you know, what you see on the outside is a result of their efforts and their hard work to build the museum what it is today.
0: Well wow, that was really powerful and great information. I know that um you know the people that are listening could definitely get a sense of the museum as you guys both uh dictated that out and and talked about it and how powerful uh, your story was Renee with uh, bringing the wall back the piece of, you know, the, the portion of the wall and, and uh, Jim, how powerful it is to talk about the third gallery and with the out, the outside, a lot of people don't think about the outside of things and uh, they, they focus on the inside, but uh, just my own experience of walking around the outside is, is amazing. And it, it, it captures the community because the community is involved in the outside with the, the beautification of the outside uh, with the flower beds and the, in the um, just the different monuments and and things that'll, that'll draw your attention, the flags outside the, the um, what Jim mentioned about um, memorials that are going to be brought. And I know that um, uh, that'll continue to grow. So, you know, I think that, uh, as you mentioned with, uh, the overwhelming power of, of, um, the museum for some people, you know, I'm not a veteran, but, uh, you know, my father was, was killed in action and I've, I've always been drawn to, um, anything veteran related and a lot of my father's, uh, Battle buddies and and things of that nature. We're, I'm friends with them, and it gives it helps me feel closer to um, you know my father that's not here with us anymore. So I could only imagine what it would feel like for a veteran. And uh, I told I think I told Jim uh, I don't remember exactly what I told him, but when I first came in here, you know I was very appreciative of what was going on here to the point that I wanted to be a part of it because it made me feel a part of the family. Mm-hmm. You know, so. My recommendation is that anybody that wants to feel a part or feel healing or anything that uh, they're looking for as far as um, connection, that this would be a wonderful place to connect, a wonderful place to heal. Mm -hmm. And um, the group of people that give the tours and the people that make the operation happen, they do it out of the love of of veterans wanting to keep the stories alive. And so you'll feel that connection and that um, heartfelt gratitude from uh, the the people giving the tours and the people that are working here. Um, Jim, is there anything else that's coming up around the outside or the inside of the museum that you want to highlight or talk about?
2: Well, we've got a lot going on on the outside and, and maybe more so on the outside right now because we're flat out of room on the inside. We'll continue to add exhibits on the inside. But uh, the next thing you're going to see on the outside is uh, we actually had a, Man reached out to the museum for um, he was actually building a memorial to honor the 13 killed in Afghanistan on August 26, 2021. And oddly enough, he couldn't find any takers for this memorial that's about 10 foot tall and features all the 13 names. And it went round and round, and then we got a call. I got an email from the mayor of St. Charles, Dan Borgmar. And he reached out and copied uh, the mayors and, and Bill Hennessy And, of course, I didn't want to sound like a greedy son of a gun, you know. And, you know, I kind of was a little coy in my response, said, well, we'd actually love it, you know, <laughs> and hoping that, you know, that little fishing would, would end up netting us the memorial. And then we had a an event, the Vietnam Veterans Remembrance Day, and the man that decided to build this memorial was actually at the event and uh, talking to Sheldon, and, and uh, Hennessy pulled me over there, and uh, I said, we'd love to have it here, and he hugged me. He said, I just want to recognize these the young men and women, and uh, thank you for doing that, which seemed kind of odd thanking us because that's what we do here. It's It's our mission is to honor those veterans, honor all veterans. So that'll be placed here. Probably um, the, the footing will probably be poured in the next couple of weeks, and this memorial should be up by the end of July, probably in time, you know, for the twenty sixth, the uh, anniversary of, of the uh, suicide bombing. So we're excited about that. The other thing we're working on is what we've come to recognize here at the museum when you when you take in the stories of some of the modern veterans what you start to understand is many many of them come back and the old adage that some gave all all gave some i come to respect that a great deal because they come back and they're not the same person that left and and a, a lot of the politicians are real intent on putting names on a wall and you know, and raising the flag next to it. But it's not telling the stories of those that came back changed. And we want to build a tribute that actually talks about it and how they came back and how their life changed because we know it's it's a fact that they came back in their struggle with PTSD. And it doesn't have to be boots on the ground that, that causes PTSD. It's just some of the experience in the stress situations you're in in the military that caused that you may never have a bullet whiz by your head but because of what you're doing you're experiencing PTSD I met a mother of a soldier the other day that he flies drones out of Phoenix Arizona and he's got PTSD because the drones were armed the drones stuck and he killed somebody so PTSD takes a lot of forms and I think it's important that the public realizes that, that those that went away and those that come back are very different people. And we've got that in many of the stories that are in the museum. So we're right now working to get sponsors to build this War on Terror tribute, and it's not going to be names on a wall. It will have names on the wall, but it's also going to reflect how these folks changed when they came back. You know, it was very stressful coming back. I've heard many veterans say the first day I didn't get up and put the uniform on was very strange. We've heard people like Jonathan say to us, somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'm right back there driving a convoy and looking for something to come shooting out at me. So it can be years, but it's still stressful for these guys. So we want to build a tribute of sorts that tells the public what these folks went through. So we've got a lot of other events going on here on the outside. You know, we have car shows. We have uh, we're going to trying to put together a Jeep rally, and we have a lot of events like that. We also have a war uh, the the uh, Fallen Heroes Memorial coming here over the Fourth of July weekend, and that uh, is the Dog Tag Wall. We also call it. It's, it's seven thousand forty dog tags of those that gave their life in the war on terror. The Memorial will be set up on uh, the uh, June 29th, about mid-morning, and it'll be here until it's taken down on July 5th, and we'll be open 24 hours a day. We're going to have taps, rifle salute, and, uh, you know, honor guards every night. We're going to try to do some special events, bring in some special groups. I know the Blue Star Mothers are going to be involved in this. And we want to honor them. Um, there was a very similar event on Art Hill here in St. Louis, not long back, the 7,040 flags on Art Hill. This is very much like that. There's only a couple of these walls moving around the country. And we expect it to be a real solemn time. So beyond what you see in the Museum and Gallery 1 and 2, you know, we use Gallery 3 and some other ways to honor our veterans.
0: Wow, it's a lot of great information, and uh, sounds like we've got a lot of great things coming up you know, for the museum. A lot of great, um, you know, new memorials, new uh, displays, new artifacts, things like that. Um, I am so happy to be a part of uh, the Veterans Museum, and I would encourage anybody who has not come to the Veterans Museum to come. And those who have come, to come back, because we have different things, new things going on. Um and so if you haven't been the museum is located in O'Fallon Missouri at 410 East Elm Street O'Fallon Missouri 63366 uh Jim Higgins is with us one of our co-hosts here he is here most of the time Renee is here she's a volunteer uh she uh, gives tours she does a lot of things for the museum so you might run into her if you're if when you come we want you to come so when you come not if but when uh and Jim is a great host uh like he said earlier uh, if he's here, the museum is open, and anybody that um, would like a tour uh, can get one. Um, so thank you so much for listening to our podcast, The Dog Tag at the St. Charles County Veterans Museum, uh, with my co-host Renee Esri, Jim Higgins, and myself, Jason Galvin. Uh, we also wanted to thank uh, our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by the Renee Esri State Agency located here in O'Fallon, Missouri. Renee is a license, is licensed in Missouri and in Illinois and focuses on your personal and commercial insurance needs. Her office is located at 2764 Highway K in O'Fallon, Missouri. And that is, you can reach her at 636-379-9556. Again, 636-379-9556. Or by email at Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, E-S-S-A-R-Y at allstate.com. That's Renee Esri at allstate.com. And if you're shopping for insurance and want an uh, an active agent that will educate you and advise you uh, on the coverage that you need, reach out to her. Thank you for uh, sponsoring this podcast, Renee, and uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Thank you for listening to the Dog Tag at the St. Charles County Veterans Museum.